3: In 1919, he hit 29 home runs and was sold to the New York Yankees.
1: A three-run home run for Bumkington. The Yankees now lead it by a score of 3-2. Bill Lee is now going over to a couple of the Yankees, and there they go again. Bum hits it to deep left. That might send the Yankees to the World Series. Tech, and A-Rod going at it. Roberts is going. Passada's throw. Roberts safe.
4: What can I say? Just stick my heart and. and... Call the Yankees my daddy. Welcome to Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports. Brian Shackman, John Senecal here for Episode 140. We're super grateful to Ray Fagnan, who's the Northeast Regional Scout for the Boston Red Sox. And, I mean, we could talk to you for days. You should write a book or do something. That Maybe you should have a podcast because I think the stories are endless and, and we're super grateful for the time. What I, what I wanted to start with in, in in Episode 140 is is your scouting career. We talked about in, in, in the last episode about – what's changed what hasn't changed you know sort of pre money ball and post money ball but there aren't many i mean scouts some scouts stay in the job forever and i sort of have two questions like were you ever interested in any other part of the game did you ever have opportunities to do front office or manage get on the bench and like why if you did then why did you not do it
3: when i started i had my timetable you know i say hey, five years i mean scouting director I'd love to be gm one day but then you get married you have kids life and your priority changes you know at Nothing outside of my job has ever taken away from my job. I've always been able to do my job, but I could find ways to watch my son's Little League games or I remember driving back from Rochester to see my son's first T ball practice and turning around going right back to Rochester. But Well, that's a like, brutal drive. I was happy to I was happy to do it. So it's and again, even though I So it was a
4: lifestyle choice. Is that what lifestyle you're saying?
3: choice? Yep. Like a lot of driving. I remember when the you know, when the boys were born, a lot of uh, you know commute i've commuted fayetteville north carolina before so i get back or you know after my first son was born you know the uh doing my pro coverage i had the reading phillies for a seven game series and i remember you know after the noon feeding driving there seeing the game coming home and you know being there to help in the middle of the night, take care but and one it, day yeah uh, it was ab- seven days in a row but it's absolute lifestyle choice and the job is really involved has really evolved where you know when i started you know procedurally Administratively, it was really easy. Um, but now there's just so much to do. Um, three, you know, 365 days a year. Like we're, expected. so you had opportunity. You could have gone to
4: single I, a and been a bench coach. That, well,
3: I never, never, I never pursued a player development option where ultimately I think like my wife always says, that's where your passion is. That's something you probably should, you know, looked into. um, had I pursued it, I probably could have, but that's a little different because that, you're simply, you leave for spring training in you're March, gone. you're gone. You're gone. I could make my own schedule. Again, it, it, it involves sometimes, you know, a round trip, commu- maybe a commuter trip to Fayetteville, North Carolina, but I could do that. Um, but I knew I wanted to stay in the game. And like I said, this, it has really evolved. And my best piece of scouting, unequivocally without question, was uh, signing my wife, if you will. <laughs> You know, she's got a uh, you know again a career choice. She's just she's been so supportive of my career on so many different levels, but she is a fantastic position. So thirty years later,
4: you're, you're still cool. you're still cool with it. Absolutely. Now okay. with the
0: yeah. with the modernization of technology, does that help though? As far as you know, 15, 20 years ago, you'd have to get in a car and go out and see a guy's round a BP. Yeah. Well, say twenty years ago, but now yeah. you can yeah. you can get you know film on this guy and be like, all right, well you know obviously. He doesn't have the 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 physical video tools, you know. The he doesn't fit the the eye mold or the book cover test, but and I can just bypass him instead of having to take that time. It has helped immensely,
3: but also put a bigger burden on you. Where you know on December seventeenth, hey, watch this guy's synergy synergies of the application. Watch this guy's video, and and you know we need you to write a report on him. So it has created greater demands, but also one thing the Red Sox stress. Said, listen, you need an admin day. You know, there's a player you like, you know, stay home, get some admin stuff, and you know you you know, you really like whoever the player is. They just finish a three game series at University of Florida, just go through a synergy video and update your report on him. So it's 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 create a lot of opportunity. Um, there's more information, but also it's kind of created greater demands where you're you know, you're essentially looking at, you know, evaluating year round. Right. You know, yeah, you could you could be side. watching
0: 60 videos in a day, as opposed exactly, to yeah. driving all the way to Reading. There's exactly. no shortage
4: of work. You will decide what work it's to it, take on. It's working smarter. Yeah. You know, I, before I hand it over to you again, John, I, I want to get this all, uh, out of my head before I forget it. You said in the last episode about, I mean, about how I don't know how you said it. Maybe you can correct me. How instead of looking for ways to like write a player off, you sometimes look for ways to to not, you know, what they can do as opposed to what they can't do. And we talked about the, ho- the hope of certain things and, and I'm just sort of curious about scouting are there young people doing it?
3: More than ever I mean it, there's a lot of turnover and they realize how much it's how hard the work it is so they want to go then they screw it i go to law school or something? It. I don't know why but there <clears throat> there is a lot of turnover um, when I first started it, what, what is interesting and this is just you know matter of factly or does it matter I don't know but when I first started every scout you know, was a former professional player, a lot of major league players. And now there's so few that have played. And now there's a lot of those guys that, you know, I never mean, played a day of baseball. I mean, the at data guys, level, the econ majors. Yeah. And so I get that's, that's not fine. good. That's not good, though, is I'm it? I'm not saying that's better or worse. But, it, like, I, you know, one thing I know is they, I can compare players that I'm watching to players i played with and say, yeah, I remember being this guy. He could do X, Y, and Z. And I'll tell you, after, you know, Going 0 for 4 and, and, and you know, sitting with them, in the, the bus ride from Akron, Ohio, back to New Britain. Like, you, you learn a lot being a dugout in the clubhouse and the cage and spring training and everything. But there are a lot younger guys. And I, and quick story, I was at a college game last year, Binghamton. And, you know, some kid came up to me and said said, hey, I'm interested in getting into scouting. And he was very nice. Very nice. I could tell he was very, very intelligent. Started talking about, you know, all these metrics and you know talking talking about a player's ex-woba and this and that and i said listen man that's great stuff i said i really respect the work that you've done and the homework and everything but i said that's analytics and that's a huge part of what we do Mm -hmm. but he said what scouting advice can you give me and i said well i will absolutely you know this is the best scouting advice i can give you i think what you do is great that's a really important part of the game that's something i'm looking to get better at and that has huge value but well, we're at University of Binghamton. and two miles away is the Binghamton is the Mets double-A team. Go watch a weekend series. No no stats. Just go there with a roster, a pen and a piece of paper. Evaluate those players. All right? That's scouting when you can look at a player, go to open trial camp and evaluate these guys. Now, obviously, uh, use every you know like when I do, that's that's kind of my approach, but nowadays you know we know these players already. But you go evaluate evaluate the tools first, but is not only absolutely imperative, but it's mandatory. You watch this player, you evaluate the tools. Now you go back and use the resources that we have. You know, see his 47 at-bats with a 2-0 count against a left-handed reliever with a low slot that throws a two-seamer. But it is literally, those are the queries that we're capable of. But it's important to use every resource, you know, that you have but ultimately to be able to look on the field and say what this player
2: can analytics do. Analytics
4: isn't scouting. That's what you're saying. It's like you're no, it's talking about being a front it. office analytics guy, but that's not scouting. Scouting is a hybrid. I understand you com- mm-hmm. combine it, but that's what basically that your advice to that kid is. What you're talking about is a front office job in
3: analytics. You're not talking about scouting. But they're in the scouting department so I should I would say e- identifying identifying and the the analytics is a great digger, deeper dig, but also where analytics is good is you know, and we've got... So are there There are no 28-year-old ex-player scouting now? There's just not. There's not a lot. Yeah. There's not okay. a whole lot. But where also where, where you can beat teams with the analytics is, you know, we can have somebody in the back room going just data mining and saying, hey, this kid's interesting. This kid's really interesting. Um, And again, they will never tell us who to like or not like. But, you know, I got a call last year. Hey, Ray, we, you know, this kid is hitting, you know, has a, you know, 40... Or, or this pitcher has a 47% swing and miss rate on his four-seam fastball. And he's only eighty-eight to ninety. Like this is really interesting. We need to see this guy, and that's where analytics is huge, and we can really beat people. So it absolutely has great value. But it's when you just it's combining. It's combining yeah. the two that have to work. My in buddy,
4: my buddy, I talked to baseball a lot. Muncie, the kid in the Dodger, mm-hmm. twenty years ago, he never would have made the majors because all he does is hit home runs and strike out. Right. right. I mean, he never would have made it out of a double A because he, he his average would have been two ten. Right. I mean, like, he wouldn't have played Major League Baseball. He wouldn't have had a chance 25 years ago. Because he just, I don't know, is that wrong?
3: Um, I think they may, may, might have found a way to make an adjustment or something. There, it, it, At no point is ever wrong to say, hey, we need to find a way for you to strike out less. Right, but <laughs> in 1982,
4: fun. if a guy's batting two ten. They would just cross off the HR. Well, it kind of
3: depends what lineup he's in. Yeah. Okay. You know that's that that's a big that's a big part of it. Yeah. Look you at know. Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. He's batting he, laid off. No, but he. The bay, Kyle he Schwarber story
4: would. I mean, he's a little bit different. But I mean, he he might not have been able to tell the major league story he can tell
0: based on you know pre. But he was also a huge prospect. He was first, round, a pick. first round pick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember. And you would yeah. think you know that a first round pick would well be above a two hundred hitter, right? regardless of, of, right? I would th- I would hope so. But he's
3: a physical outlier where his his on-base percentage, his run production value, and part of that is, makes you know, the term makes great pitch decisions, but also, it's funny, last night at, at 12 midnight in the cages in Chicopee, Mass, my boys and I were talking about him, about Schwarber, and specifically what he does, there's a reason why guys, there's a physical reason why guys can do something. His bat speed is so elite, you know, but it's, he, if he wanted to, I'm sure it's like when I'd watch in spring training, watch Wade Boggs take BP. He could hit the ball, foul pull to foul pull as hard, as far as he wanted anytime. He could have made a decision. He could have hit home 240 runs. with 50 home runs, yeah. but that's a decision he
0: makes. So. They said the same thing about Ichiro, right? Ich-
3: oh, Ichiro, his BPs were unbelievable seeing him. But huh. um is so good at getting on base. Again, we're really picking the guy that's real good. But again, part of it is, is what lineup you fit into. You know, I remember. You know, I played with in in ninety one, ninety one. Jeff Bagwell. I think he yeah, would hit the Eastern League by like forty points. Like him and Matt Stairs hit four home runs. And professional graded. hitter, yeah. Matt Stairs. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Abs professional hitter. He's smoke a pack of heaters in the yeah. dugout.
4: <laughs> you can tell. But too.
3: <laughs> Bagwell was a really good hitter that made contact and found out on two all three one counts. I can cheat a little bit, get a ball out in front, maybe swing bigger. So some strikeouts came, but. Hall of Fame, home run career. So it's, they can all do something, but ultimately, like analytics and scouting is a, a, a ideally a a perfect blend. Yeah. And I think making the analyst guys, you know, taking them out, seeing games, helping them, seeing stuff on the field, and, you know, the quote-unquote, you know, just scouting guys driving them down the road, getting really, a, a, you know, getting a lot smarter than the analytics. It's the teams that merge the two that have the most success. Because, I you know, I get tremendous respect for those guys.
0: Being a, a former player, I feel like it would give you an edge in the scouting department. Do you, has there been an instance where, you know, you take your ability as a former player and translate that into scouting? Like, have you went out and actually sat and caught a bullpen of a, of a high school kid or a college kid and, and get that different feel? It's easy to say, oh, this kid can throw 94, but you can sit behind the plate and realize the late movement on a pitch or the way it travels late, that kind of stuff. Have you done that kind of thing?
3: Oh, often. Often. Um, I still like catching. I've been lucky. I've been in the not the past one, but I, I was in four world baseball classics, I was a bullpen catcher. But I still like doing that now. But I remember I was in Lake Worth, Florida, and you know, a, a game finishes and some guy was he was a release player. He was he was throwing, just throwing against the wall. In fact, he pitched in the big leagues. He pitched in New Britain. I looked at him, he drew himself. I said, I saw you about three years ago in New Britain with the Rockcats. And so I say, you want to throw? He goes, yeah, I'm trying to you know, trying to get a contract. So I said, all right, hang on, I'll get my gear. So my mitt in one hand holding the radar gun, and I caught him. And it was, but I'll do that. I, I like doing that a lot. I still like catching guys because you get a perspective behind the plate just catching them or even just, hey, do this or that, just seeing their aptitude. That, or I think I mentioned this is why this is a very valuable time of the year where I can tell, okay, hey, I'll meet you at the batting cage, I'll throw a BP to you, and I'll talk to them. Hey, why, you know. Why'd you not swing at that pitch? Or why'd you do this? Or tell me about your swing. Like you make, you know, talk about making mechanical adjustments, talk about the actual baseball part. Yeah. You know, I went down to, well, I, I did a, I had a workout two weeks ago on December 23rd in Long Island. And part of the reason I went there is one of my all time favorite players who I missed on. I can make up a pretty good major league team of guys that I've missed, but. <laughs> Uh, I just had him in so many workouts. I just knew him personally so well, it's, and, and he turned out to be such a great kid. And he's gonna be a good big leaguer. But Logan O'Happy with the Angels, mm-hmm. and he was down there. We were looking at some players, and it's just is he know,
0: a Northeast guy? He's
3: like, well, yeah, he's from Long Island, really. And love the name. Uh, yeah, and he's he had a
0: great rookie season. Got hurt and then came back. Yeah, he, yep. big and prospect for the Angels.
3: He's he's gonna be a very good player. But you know, spending I spend time with as many of these pro guys as I can. You know, because I've scouted most, I know most of them. But it's just. Um, you know, just getting perspective still and just watching
0: players and they'll ask me some things sometimes, but... Do you ever just sit there and watch watch a game on TV and be like, I can't believe I blew it on this guy. Like, come well, on. I'll go the other way. I'll say, I can't believe the Red Sox didn't take him. But <laughs> there,
3: there are those guys. Um, there are those guys that really, really take off. You know, like um, Jeremy Pena, for instance. You know, University I, of I, Maine. University of Maine from from Florida. And I'll look at... I pulled up my report so many times and I've read it and I said and I remember telling the scouting director man I will die on that hill that's what I thought he was you know Elite, and I look at it, elite, elite fielder good, made contact at the plate so it's got value but I had no idea he'd be as good as he is and I had no idea he'd go from you know 160 pounds to 210 right he's <laughs> a beast but you know there's you, you they're not missed guys like there's nobody you know there, there's not a lot of guys in big leagues say, oh, I, I don't think Play. i missed on him but you, you miss on how good they turn out and that happens
0: that now when you look sometimes. at a player like jeremy pena who bursts on the scene he, he he came in took big shoes filled in for carlos correa has a great postseason goes on and wins the world series like he was a world series mvp i believe too MVP, yeah right but then his second sophomore he struggles a little bit now when you're watching him and you sitting there saying don't worry he's just, this this kid's gonna be fine he's got the tools he'll figure it out or are you looking and saying well, maybe this is the Jeremy Pena that we're going to see the next 10 years.
3: Well, what he, looking at his value, I mean, he can, he's always going to be able to play shortstop. And he's been able to, he makes contact. So the league will make an adjustment to you. The second year is probably always harder than the first, but, and he's got big league bloodlines. Is is he, is he the never, kind of kid that can make those estimate. adjustments, So
0: I guess is what I'm saying.
3: I think so, because he's got aptitude. So again, I liked him, but I was sh- I was a little light. Well, on who's his, his dad? Geronimo Pena. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep.
4: I uh, we we're 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 a little tight on time. We don't want to monopolize. <laughs> I I do want to have you tell quickly. John brought it up uh, off the air. Your '99 All Star Game story. I mean, didn't you, did you catch?
3: Uh, great. Among the greatest days of my life. That was a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, the day the game was announced, like in the year before. I'm recalling talking to and director Ed Kenny. Say, hey, you know, whoever's running, I want to be involved in it. And
0: this is an iconic All Star Game because this, this is the is Ted the 10 Williams. Williams. Absolutely iconic.
3: Yeah. Yep. And so, um, you know, I was there for the whole three days. Fenway Park. Fenway Park, you know, the day before, you know, it was a celebrity, the celebrity game, which is kind of cool. You know, threw BP to Matt Damon in the center field seats. Did he hit, Underneath- hit anything good? Yeah, he made contact. Okay. You know, I'm sure he played a lot of stickball, but I just remember having a chest protector on and Matt Damon coming up and smacking me in the chest. And saying, oh man, I wish yeah you know, what well, you do is so cool, man. I love people to do something like that. I just remember telling him, hey Matt, just don't beat yourself up. You made a pretty good career choice. Yeah. <laughs> but just being around those guys. So that day was the you know, the celebrity home run derby. And then that afternoon, they just BP, the all took BP, and the home run derby itself was like you said, it was iconic. I mean, that's the great moment And this is the day.
0: one that you're watching on TV every every year. And this and is and in ninety nine we're talking McGuire, Sosa. Ken Griffey Jr. Um, Ken Griffey Jr. Uh-huh. Best one of the sweetest left-handed swings in baseball. Yeah. Now regardless of how they panned out as far as PDs and all that, home run hitters. Oh it was right? fun. Yeah. And your seat for this is where? I was catching. Right behind. I'm the sure. best seat in the house. Oh, the now, how many balls house. did you actually catch?
3: Um Interesting, because they were kind of keyholing <laughs> a little bit because there's no time limit. Right. So they were waiting for perfect pitch, but there's like no words to describe it. And just last night, we noticed MLB Network's running the Home Run Derby Marathon on Sunday. Yeah. So I told the boys, we got to watch it because it never grows old. Huh. But it was just, yeah, that was just fun. So I, the-
0: I saw Mark McGuire take BP at the old San Diego Stadium, Qualcomm Park or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and I told my wife, we need to get there early. So when he was playing with the Cardinals, and I, I said, my, told my wife, we need to get there early, and we need to see Mark McGwire take BP. And she looked at me like I was an idiot. But we went out to left field, and when we got done with BP, she looked at me and she's like, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. See I can only imagine what it was like sitting three feet behind home plate.
3: It was really neat. And I saw him about two years ago at the Airy Code games, his son was playing. And I went up, you know, introduced myself and talked, and like, he remembered it because we had a couple, we had an exchange at the plate. And he remembered it and took a picture, but it was just really cool because these guys are regular guys that love the game. Yeah, it was really neat. Well, he's
4: his reputation is not as the warmest guy, whereas like Griffey was sort of rock starry, and
3: Sosa was sort of on another planet. He's quiet. Yeah. and I just I think part of it is approaching these guys the right way, but he just, and also you know I'm in uniform, I'm on the field, so it's yeah. kind of that. But you know that homer that was just it was just there's no words. And of course the next day the All Star game. And, you know, being in the bullpen, I mean, when Ted Williams came by in the golf cart. And it was I knew Fox was covering, so I knew their camera angles, too. So I knew, <laughs> during, I knew <laughs> where to stand during the National Anthem, oh, that's near great. Pedro, sub-beyond. So but, you know, that the game itself just warmed up everybody that got in there. And it was just so cool. I just remember, you know, of course, the big scene on the field, all the players congregating around, around Ted Williams. And Troy, First, Troy Percival coming out to the bullpen right before the game, and there's just tears coming down his eyes. And down his cheeks and saying, This is the coolest night ever. And it was just, you know, it was just, it was innate. It really it really was. Yeah,
4: and you were a part of well, it. Well
0: I think you touch on something like perfect there. You know, you look at these guys now and, and and as fans and as you watch Major League Baseball, you know, you quantify these guys based on stats and how much money they make. I mean, let's be honest here. You know, the next what we talk about is who's gonna make seventy million dollars, who's the next five hundred million dollar player. But these people are human beings and they are just they're fanboys, a lot of them. They, they are just mm-hmm. blessed to be there. They're probably still trying to figure out what their life is all about. And then they're looking around and they're like crying because they just saw Ted Williams. Yeah. And then we talk to you who grew up a Red Sox fan, who's worked the Red Sox for your whole life and have these moments. And it's those parts of baseball that you probably take away that are more important than the dollar signs.
3: Absolutely. Without, oh, without question. Without question. Those, it was, the great memories that the job has enabled me to do. You know, like I said, catching the WBC was neat. You know, it, it, I'll never forget. The, the last, you know, I was at Team USA a couple times. Then in 2017, I was at Team USA, and the cool part was our training camp was actually at Fort Myers. So I was with them, and we went to Miami to start the games. And I'm suited up for Miami. And manager or somebody from uh, Team Columbia comes in the locker room, and they're talking to somebody comes over to me and goes, Hey, Ray, can you help us? We need you. So I said, yeah, absolutely. So I was actually with Columbia for the 2017 BC. So I get my stuff, I go into the other clubhouse, Columbia Clubhouse, and I look across, I, I walk in and I see a kid. I said, Man, I know you. And it's Greg Napo, who pit, who's nearby, who pitched at University of Connecticut, had a nice eight, nine year career. I look at him, I said, What are you doing here? He goes, my mother's Colombian. What are you doing here? <laughs> but we just had, you know, Jorge Alfaro was on the team, Orchella. And that was that classic game where they tied in the ninth with two outs and Jose Batista throws out the run of the plate. But I'm in Miami Stadium. There's 57,000 people, and the stadium was shaking. Like, that was the most amazing in terms of electricity environment that I'd ever been around. Like, and that's being a family part for the World Series. But – that environment, just being around stuff like that. But
4: Latin know? cultures cheer in a different way. Oh, and weird. I remember being in the upper deck with the Mets when they had twenty five thousand to be five thousand Latin Americans up in the top deck singing the whole the whole freaking game. Yeah. Um, listen, you I throw one, you throw one more question, and then I have like four rapid fire questions, and so we gotta let them go. Um, I was
0: just I was just I was just gonna piggyback on the question that I was just asked. You know, you you know, you with the Red Sox now, you got. Three or four World Series rings? Four. You got four World Series rings. <clears> you're with the WBC. Do you get do you get a medal for that or whatever part of that team? I have a b- bunch of cool T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> so put, put, you know, some neat stuff. Just but, you're, I mean, uh-huh. just being a part of something like that. I mean, I, when I think of 2017, that was the Adam Jones catch, right? Yes. Where he made yeah. that. I mean, one yeah. of probably the best catches ever as far as, you know, international it was cool. play. And just the time and place, yeah? yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: All right. So, listen, we're talking with Ray Fagnant, who's the uh, Northeast Scouting Director for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, we didn't prep you for this, so we'll see how it goes. I just have basically four questions. Uh, your best big-name signing of your career?
3: i say Barnes, just in terms of longevity. Worst. Oh, Nothing personal. It's too, personal. Um, <laughs> it's too had, You look back at
4: 99 Anyone we know.
3: So... Um, no, because you would know them. But, but that speaks volumes to what we talked about. How many people don't hit it, right? Yeah, how many right. people don't make it? Well, you look at the first-rounders, Craig Hansen, who got the big leagues fast— he could have had a really good career. I mean, he was, in the, he was in the big leagues three weeks after the draft, but he just had a strange injury. So there's there's those guys. And Ryan Westmoreland. Yep. You familiar with the name? Yeah, Theo Epstein says to this day he's the best amateur he's ever scouted. Ryan Westmoreland was a 40-40 guy in the big leagues. He'd have been a 40-40 guy. And God bless him, he's still alive and doing well, and he's doing well. But just that horrific issue with his brain where – you know the grace of God; he's still alive. But that, you know, that was a that was a very very promising career. He's an elite talent.
4: So I understand you don't want to necessarily out a bad signing. We might not know it, although I think fans of the podcast who are inside baseball would. Well, go you signed to look Carl Bavano, right? Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, it, right. you, good good career. good career, but as uh-huh. a
0: Yankee fan, you sit there and he's like, he's the first guy you start to roast usually as a Yankee. He's the fan first guy you roast. Roast, sure. but you didn't live up to his contract, right? But injuries. It's, it's are very tough. easy to say yeah. that you suck as a fan, but you don't suck because you're in Major League Baseball. Oh my we all know that. You ever
4: stand next to Carl Pavano?
3: Favorite person in baseball
4: ever?
0: Rich Gedman, unequivocally.
3: Why? Rich Gedman. Um, it's a, it's, Bean Worcester, going to Assumption. Getty had just burst into the big leagues yeah. at 20. He showed up at Assumption a couple of times to work out with us, and it was really cool having a big leaguer there. Fast forward a couple of years. I'm sitting on a bus with him, going to a big league spring training game. And years after that, I'm watching him manage in Worcester in the independent leagues, and then we uh, he joins our organization. I've done a lot of workouts with him. I've taken my kids to go see him and hit, but he's hes the same guy that he was all those years ago in Worcester. Just a tough, hard-nosed kid from Worcester who's had a, had a heck of a career in the big leagues, is in the Red Sox Hall of Fame. Is still involved in baseball, still helping people. He's just a great human being. Mm. But he's unequivocally, he's the guy. He's my favorite all timer.
4: I still think he could have caught that Bob
3: Stanley pitch. Oh, but
4: I mean, I'm not gosh. gonna go there because I remember it very, very well. Again, I saw it in uh, the
3: last seventy-two hours. Yep. <laughs> who
4: and this is a, I gotta ask it. You could take it where you want. Who's the the worst person in baseball ever?
3: I know a couple behind the scenes, but Um, well, I'll tell you when we're done. I'll be glad to tell you when we're done, but anybody who's dead
4: and buried, no, bury them further. No, but
3: anybody, I've been lucky. I've just been around great people, and specifically, I've had I think nine general managers and eight scouting directors, and every one of them has been tremendous.
4: So, I had favorite sock ever. You said Gedman, but after Gedman, who's your favorite Red Sox sock? Carlton Fisk,
3: hate to cut you off, but Carlton Fisk slash Carly. You're a little
4: skewed to catchers, yeah,
3: but. Carly Schremski, we drafted his son out of St. John's Prep. Mike went to St. Michael, John's Prep. Michael St. John's Prep. We drafted him out of high school. And one day, I'm up in Andover Christmas break. He would come back from Vandy. I'm throwing BP to him, and I hear the door behind me. And I, I turn. And I hear, "Hey Ray." I turn around. Oh my! Like, it's Carly Sremsky. And he doesn't. He come knew out my much. name. He never. He knew my name. Said hi to me. He was there for about five swings, <laughs> and he left. He see you later. And he's walking out. He comes back. He goes, "Hey Ray." I'm having lunch with Dwight today, and I told him I was going to come down to see. He says hi, and like I'm just, I could not call everybody I knew quick enough to say, yes. Yeah, said hi to me. He says, oh, by the way, Dwight says hi. Yeah. I mean, this not that. It's not that. That's not the greatest moment of my Red Sox <laughs> yeah, career. I mean,
4: as someone who's slightly younger yeah. who grew up, um, that Dewey said hello is kind of a big deal. Uh, listen, you know, we'd love to have you back. We appreciate the time. Um, and good luck to your sons. Sounds like things are going really well in the household too.
0: So thirty years now with the Red Sox organization, thirty-two. Yeah. So what's are we are we going to see fifty with the Red Sox?
3: Forty. Oh, we're going to pay tuition. <laughs> once the tuition's covered, you know, then then we'll figure it out. But I guess as long as they want to have, could you
4: still jack one on a Fenway?
3: Yeah, yeah, I still swing a lot. Listen again, I'm... as long as it's before five o'clock and they're not throwing curveballs.
0: We're sitting here and I'm watching Ray. Sit in his seat and cross his legs. I think you could probably catch at least seven innings right now. Probably. Yeah. Probably my thumb would hurt, but yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's
3: having three boys to push me in the yeah. gym. You know, which Keeps is you nice. young. That's it. Oh, absolutely.
4: Well, listen, thanks so much. And uh, we'll be following uh, Ray Fagnett, the Sox Northeast Regional Scout, uh, a lifer with the Red Sox and a lifer in baseball. You've been listening to Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry. Picks.